if you are able, please stand or remain standing for the reading of the word, which is done by Jana Michelson today. Genesis 4, 1 through 14. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. You get me today because the other pastors were heartbroken that the 49ers lost. (laughs) And they just couldn't bear to preach. Just kidding. I'm not a huge fan of football anyway, so I do like it. Um, But I don't go out of my way to watch it. In light of that, though, I have been to a professional football game, though. I, uh, last year, I went to the Seattle Seahawks versus the Tennessee Titans. And it was a, I, I did have a lot of fun being there with uh, thousands of people just roaring and screaming and just watching a bunch of dudes hit each other and fight over a ball. <laughs> At some point during the game, though, a few rows in front of me, a Seattle fan and a Tennessee fan just start throwing haymakers at each other. I kid you not, true story. And one of them gets on top of the other one and just starts pounding his face in. And of course you have onlookers and fans just getting all excited and going, yeah, get them. It wasn't until a security guard came up and ripped that fan off of him that the fight stopped. And it just got me thinking How can someone get so passionate about a football game, especially a fan, that it leads them to committing violence? 
I guess this is actually pretty common at football stadiums. See, the biblical story we are looking at today has to do with the first uh, violent crime ever committed. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis 4. If this is your first week joining us, we've been going through a, a Genesis series titled The Beginning. And we've, uh, we unpacked the first three chapters, which has to do with uh, the creation story, how we were made and are made in the image of God. And then last week, Pastor Ryan spoke on the origin of sin and how sin entered into the world and consumed us and caused us to be separated from God. And his main takeaway from that message was, you have a sin problem that needs to be dealt with and can only be dealt with by Jesus. We are continuing that theme of sin today by talking about the beginning of division. We have all faced moments of division before. Many of you probably this morning were laying in bed going, babe, we should skip church. While the other person was like, we haven't been in three months. Get up, get your butt ready, we're going to church. We divide over who's on dish duty. We divide over, are we eating leftovers or going out to eat? I'm a going out to eat kind of guy. Early on in my marriage, I experienced some division, believe it or not. Over a front door. You see, my wife, she's from Minnesota, and they don't believe in locking doors in Minnesota. It's a safer place, so they will legit keep their keys in their truck overnight or leave their front door unlocked overnight, and they won't bat an eye. It's normal. See, I'm from California, <laughs> and our locks have locks. You know what I'm talking about? And so she would often leave the front door unlocked while we're home and I'd go, babe, what are you doing? As if someone was going to barge in right at that moment and do something to us. She was normal for her, but not normal for me at all. We experienced a moment of division. What if I got a little more serious though? Have you ever lost a friend over a disagreement? Have you ever gossiped behind someone's back? Have you ever thought in your mind, man, I'm so glad I'm on the right side for my political party and how dare them? We are constantly dividing and divided. All you have to do is look at the media. We have faced it before, but where does this come from? Where does the origin of division come from? It ultimately comes from what Ryan preached last week between us dividing ourselves from God. That's where it ultimately comes from. But the story we're looking at today is the first time we see division happen between two people. And so if you have your Bibles already open, if not, again, Genesis 4, we're starting in verse 1. Before we dive into the application of the text, though, let's paint the picture. Adam made love to his wife, Eve. We won't paint that picture. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. 
In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? So we have Adam and Eve. God blesses them with sons. It's the first children ever in the Bible that we see. But there is a point of interest that I want us to look at. If you look at verses three and four, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself the question, why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's? Why did he look with approval at it? Well, you're, you're already seeing why. But if you look at verse three, it said that Cain gave some of his fruits. That's the key word right there, some. While Abel gave fat portions from his firstborn. That's translated in our language to Cain gave leftovers while Abel gave prime rib. He gave the best. See, what's really happening here, friends, is there's a heart issue. Cain was not making God the first priority in his life while Abel was. And instead of Cain just owning up to it, fessing up to his mistake and moving on, he allows anger and resentment to rise up in his heart. To be resentful and bitter towards his brother and towards God because God did not look with favor over his offering. And rightfully so, God, God was in the right here. Oh, he always is, but he was, he was in the right here. It's like this, friends. Imagine you are in school and you get an F on your test and you go home all cheery like, mom, dad, look, I got an F. Aren't you proud of me? Like it'd be somewhat ludicrous if they said, yeah, I'm so proud of you. No, the right response would be no, do better. Go put your face in a book and study. That's the proper response. Maybe not as harsh. But it's, it, it's, it's really explaining what's happening here in the, the scripture. Cain is expecting praise from God when he's giving his leftovers. You actually kind of see it in the culture today. You can do and say whatever you want and all that is expected in return is praise and approval. We see it all around us. We actually do this in the church as well. I'm gonna give God part of my life and expect him to bless me in return. We cannot give God part of our lives and expect him to bless us he's so good that he's gonna bless us regardless, but he wants your entire life, your entire being. Here's what I'm really trying to get at today, friends. The main point, if you were to walk away with one thing, it's this. If you don't take personal responsibility, you will always blame others and ultimately blame God. So how can we how can us as a church get better at taking personal responsibility? Number one, own up to your mistakes. 
Can you even recall the last time you were in the wrong? It's so easy for us to think about how others have wronged us and so much harder to think about how we have wronged others. The Bible says that when you fess up to your mistakes, 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This isn't just about going to God and saying, Lord, I messed up. Although yes, that should be our first priority and our first go-to. This is also going to another person and saying, hey, I have wronged you, I messed up. It's so easy for us as a church in our prayer life to go, I mistreated that person. Lord, forgive me for how I treated that person. I wronged them. It is so much harder for you to actually go to that person and say, hey, I have wronged you. Because we feel like we are less than if we submit ourselves to that person. It's a very humbling experience, but it's required in scripture. Cain struggled with this. As we all do, Cain knew in his heart that God wasn't his first priority. He knew in his heart that his brother wasn't a priority either. And this is how the Lord responds, verse seven. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Plain and simple. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is an example of grace and mercy. God is saying, hey, Cain, you messed up. He could have really just killed him on the spot. But God is showing his true character here, grace and mercy. And he's saying, you messed up, recognize it, learn from it, repent of it, move on. But we know that's not what happens. And the Lord says that if you don't do this, sin is crouching at your door. Like imagine sin crouching at the door, waiting to devour him. Imagine if you're at home and someone comes to your front door and says, hey, can I come in? I want to harm you. What would you say? Yeah, sure. Come on in. No, you'd slam the door in their face. Go grab a frying pan, call 911 and do everything you can and not let them in. That's what's happening here. God is trying to warn Cain by saying, if you open that door, sin is going to devour you. And as we know in the story, what happens? He opens the door. Sin leaps onto Cain and that sin is expressed through anger and resentment. Listen, if you don't, own up to your mistakes, sin will dwell in your heart. And as Romans 8 says, it will govern over you. For some of you, the mistake you're making is not receiving the grace of God. You've been trying for so long and so hard to make sure your good outweighs your bad. Even those of you that are really close with Jesus but you're not receiving his grace. You're still making it about you. You're still the primary uh, protagonist in this story. You're not, he is. 
Receive the grace of God today. Let it transform your life. Live by it and through it. That is what we're called to do in the gospel. Allow the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus to transform you. So taking personal responsibility means owning up to your mistakes. It also means working out your grievances before they work you out. Verse eight, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. What? Just like that? He had so much anger built up towards his brother that it led him to leading him out into the field and, and thinking beforehand, hey, I'm going to murder this guy. He murders his brother, the first violent crime ever committed that we see in the scriptures. Perhaps there is no one in this room who's, ever, uh, who's murdered someone. But have you ever murdered someone in your heart? Jesus says in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is setting the bar. He's setting the standard. He's saying, hey, look at that one of those 10 commandments. You shall not murder. I'm gonna raise you. If you have any unsettled resentment and anger towards someone, you are in the wrong. We need to be people that forgive and not hold on to this. Because the reality is when you hold on to resentment, you're, you're the prisoner. Not the other person that you hold resentment towards is you. Is there someone that comes to mind right now that you just hate? I was always told growing up, don't say hate, say dislike. Hate's a very strong word. I realize now if you disguise your true motives about how you feel towards someone that you'll never truly be able to forgive them. But have you ever degraded that person, the person that you might be thinking about right now? Have you ever gossiped about them to someone else? Are you holding on to bitterness towards them? Listen, I get it. We all have moments of getting angry at people and that's okay. The scripture says that you can be angry without sinning. But if you hold on to anger and don't deal with it in a healthy way, your anger will deal with you in an unhealthy way. A great way to actually deal with your anger, a little, little more practical for you guys, is through our uh, Celebrate Recovery ministry that we hear, have here on campus, which meets every Sunday night. Tracy Richardson, he's uh, in charge of that, but th they offer steps and principles for you to work through your anger and instead replace it with forgiveness. So if that's you, if you're a person who gets triggered easy, if you're a person who just ha is holding on to this stuff, I encourage you, get in contact with him. So Cain kills his brother. Verse nine, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? Probably not the best response. <laughs> he blatantly lies to the Lord, but 
let's be honest, would any one of us, if you were in that situation, would you do anything different? No, you're not gonna say, oh, he's six feet over there under the ground. Cain dodged the question. He was afraid. He dodged the question and he tried to get all eyes off of him. I remember stealing quarters from my mom's piggy bank when I was younger. I heard someone go, how dare you? I'm a sinner. And when she asked, hey, who stole my quarters? I said, I don't know. Let's just say I got the belt afterwards. Some people are like, the belt? That's horrible. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it's not. You judge. How am I today? Um, But we do see Cain trying to get all eyes off of him. He's trying to deflect and say, nope, 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 nope. Let's uh, focus on everyone else and what they have done and what they are doing. But if you realize, this isn't the first time this has happened. Let's let's go back uh, to Ryan's message last week in Genesis 3, 11 and 13. And he said, who told you that you were naked? This is God talking to Adam and Eve at this point. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, also known as Adam, that's Cain's pops. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. And then he blames his wife. Gentlemen, do not do that. And I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Eve, Cain's mom, also shifts the blame onto the serpent. I can kind of see where this comes from now. Adam and Eve were shifting blame from the beginning. That leads me to my last point because I know you guys want to get out of here and go tailgate party or whatever you do. (laughs) Don't shift the blame and be willing to bear the consequences. The reality is we will always have, uh, if you are a person who constantly blames, you will always live a life of playing the victim when more times than not, you're the perpetrator. More times than not, you're the perpetrator. Don't be a person who always shifts the blame. That's not a life that God is calling you to. Taking responsibility is done by not blaming and by being willing to bear the consequences. That is a mature Christian. I remember a few years back when I first started preaching, uh, the first church I ever preached at was Greenville Church. Dustin mentioned it. We actually have helped them uh, financially during the fires. But I remember, uh, if you know about Greenville, or it's like four hours north, it's near paradise. There's nothing out there. There's no one driving out there. And so I'm going up there, going through the mountains, and all of a sudden I see a sheriff pass right by me. And before I know it, he was right behind me. <laughs> and his, his lights went on. And I pulled over, and of course my heart dropped. If you've ever been pulled over, you know what I'm talking about. And I rolled down my window, and he goes, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, you don't see that many redheads? (laughs) Just kidding, I didn't say that. I was like, honestly, officer, I have no idea why you pulled me over. And he's like, you don't have a front license plate. 
and that is illegal in the state of California. I was like, oh man, okay. I knew that. <laughs> I just like my car more without it. And so he writes me a fix it ticket. I go back home, I get it fixed. I put it back on there. I get it signed off by a police officer. Five months goes by. I was asked to preach at Greenville Church again. And a week before I left, I had the bright idea of taking off my front license plate. <laughs> Don't know why, actually I do know why. You would have thought I would have waited till after this trip. So I take it off, I start driving up there and I kid you not in the exact same area as sheriff drives right past me. And before I know it, the sheriff's right behind me. And he flicks on his lights and he pulls me over. And I turn down my window and he goes, do you know why I'm pulling you over today? I'm like, let me guess. My front license plate? He's like, yeah, that's actually right. It's what I said next that I regret and it was, it's one of my many mistakes. I said and told him, don't you have anything better to do with your time? <laughs> True story. I eventually realized that wasn't the best thing to say. And, and I apologize, but the reason why I'm telling you this story is because I wasn't willing to bear my consequences. I broke the law and instead of owning it, I deflected. I justified in my mind, it's not that big of a deal, it's just a license plate. I, 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 I pointed to the officer I started to uh, uh, point him out and focus on him and I was being rude to him and not being kind and not being loving. I would not bear my consequence. The reality is friends, a true heart of repentance is owning up to your mistakes and being willing to bear your consequences. There will always be consequences to your actions, whether good or bad. When we think of consequence, you think of a negative connotation. If you look up the definition though, it just means a reaction. I mean, we love good consequences in our life. You work hard, you get a pay raise, love that. You eat healthy, you lose weight, love that. You read a lot, you get smarter. But we do not like to bear the bad consequences. You don't work hard, and you're lazy, you get fired. You eat horribly, you're astonished that you've added a couple inches around your waist. You talk smack at a football game, you get hit. <laughs> Be a person who bears your consequences, whether good or bad. Cain couldn't do that. Verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will, I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and, I, and whoever finds me will kill me. 
Let's do a little recap real fast, just in case you felt bad for Cain. Cain gave leftovers as an offering and expects praise in return. Cain rejects the grace of God. He then kills his brother, lies about where he laid the body, mocks God, and then has the audacity to say, God, actually, you're in the wrong. My punishment is too much. Not a single time in the entire story, if you read through it, does he take personal responsibility. Not a single moment. Here's the thing though. That's what happens when sin creeps into your life. You will start to shift and you will lack personal responsibility. If we're all honest in this room though, we have more Cain-like tendencies than we do Abel. Here's the reality in the big picture. You are not Abel in this story. You are Cain. But praise be to God for Jesus Christ. Amen. Ephesians 2 says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ultimately, friends, the consequence was put on Christ. The sin of your life, the division that you cause was put on him. That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by your sin and your baggage. You are defined by him. And when God the Father looks at you, he no longer sees your sin, but he sees his son instead. He sees Jesus and what he did. This isn't about you. This has always been about him. So I invite you today to receive the grace of God, to own up to your mistakes, excuse me, to work through your anger, to not blame and be willing to bear your consequences. This is a life of taking personal responsibility. I'm gonna close this out in prayer. And this is what I want you to do right now. I want you to think of someone that you've had a Cain-like attitude towards lately. Maybe you have said something harsh towards them. Maybe you didn't say anything towards them at all, but you said something to someone else about them, gossiping behind their back. Maybe you've held bitterness and resentment towards them for so long now. Receive the grace of God today and be set free from that. And I challenge you to not only forgive the one who has offended you, but I also challenge you to physically go up to them and apologize for how you've treated them. That's a big challenge. But right now we're gonna pray and I just want you to think of them. And I want you to start asking the Lord to tenderize your heart towards them. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you, Jesus, that you are rich in mercy. And we thank you that even when we have Cain-like tendencies, you do not 
view us that way. You do not hold us against that, those that are in you. But God, you have taken that burden on yourself. You've taken our sin and you have died for us. So I pray for my friends today that maybe have never received your grace. Even right now, Lord, allow them to open up their hearts and hands to you and realize that there's no greater person to be in relationship with. Allow them to see your grace and to realize that you're saying the same thing then that if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Lord, help them live for you every single day. And I pray for my friends in this room that maybe have a grievance towards someone. Lord, that you would start to tender their heart. That they would be willing to forgive. That they wouldn't hold on to resentment any longer. And that they would make amends where it's needed. Jesus, this is what you call us to as a body of believers. And so lead us in this today. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen. amen.